We've been journeying with Jesus for a while now, so many weeks that I've already lost count. He set his face to Jerusalem and off we went, not really ever knowing what was next and having no idea that we were going to take the long way. That is meandering along, not just the straight shot down, but going from village to village, town to town, city to city. And all along the way, the crowds kept growing and growing. While some turned back from time to time, most likely to return to work or to family duties, overall the crowds became significantly larger than when we first left Galilee on our journey. And now, now as we're soon to approach Jericho, Jesus pulls us aside, the twelve of us, that is, and tells us this confusing prediction of the Son of Man, that he'll be handed over to the Gentiles, mocked, insulted, spat on, flogged, and killed, but on the third day will rise again. I remember at the time I had no idea what he was talking about. What was he even saying? The Son of Man? Killed? No, it couldn't be. It was so far out of our ability to comprehend. Certainly it wasn't until our eyes were opened on the, way, on the road to Emmaus that we began to understand it all. But right there and then in that moment, we were so completely blind to what lay ahead. We had no idea that it wasn't just a prediction, but in a sense, a mission statement, an announcement. This is what the Son of Man has come to do. Service and sacrifice. It's not about triumphalism. It's Jesus' mission all along to seek out and save the lost. Service and sacrifice. Perhaps the irony is that just after Jesus tries to get this message through our dense, thick heads, and we miss it, we run into a blind man upon entering Jericho. This wasn't, I mean, this was pretty typical. The blind, the lame, the lepers, those that were deemed as outcasts in society hung around the city gates, both for reasons of not always being welcomed into the city, but also to beg in hopes that a passerby would have pity and mercy on them. I remember hearing some yelling as we approached and wasn't sure what was going on. All I could hear was the crowds in front kept trying to tell someone to quiet down, to shut up already. Only it seemed to distress this person out more and more as he just got louder and louder and louder until Jesus saw him. He asked the crowds to bring the man over to him. To me, this echoed the parable where Jesus talked about the man having a banquet, telling his servant to go out into the streets to bring in the blind, the lepers, the lame, the crippled. Here the blind is brought by the crowds into Jesus. Jesus asks him what he wants. The blind man says, I wish to see, and then calls him the son of David. I don't know about the crowds, but this was shock to my ears. Never before had anyone referenced Jesus as the son of David. 
And here it was, this blind man. How did he even know? He couldn't even see Jesus. And he was so confident in this statement, as well as his defiance to the crowds to be heard. Immediately, Jesus replied, Receive your sight, your faith has saved you. And before the rest of us could even blink our eyes and get caught up on what just happened, the blind man's sight was regained, and he began praising and glorifying God so much so that the crowds who wanted him to shut up joined in with the praising, forgetting how they just a moment ago tried to hinder this from happening. This one that they were so quick to dismiss, to judge is not worthy, to hush and keep quiet, telling him not to bother Jesus, thinking that they knew what was best. I'd say they learned their lesson, but it was clear as we journeyed along, their judgments for, for and against others had not changed, even, in their, even if their praises of and for this blind man had. For you see, as we continued passing through Jericho and the crowds grew larger and larger, Jesus made a beeline to a certain sycamore tree. He saw someone up there and noted, we have to go see who that person is. Of course, Jesus already knew who it was, calling him down from the tree by name and inviting himself to dinner. How did Jesus know this guy? I mean, who was he? I don't ever remember seeing him before in my life. Had he been a part of the crowd previous in our journey? Was he a long-lost friend of Jesus? I mean, how did Jesus know his name? But perhaps what was even more surprising than knowing his name was that Jesus, better than the crowds, all of those who seemed to know both his name and his occupation, Jesus knew this man's heart. And here, yet again, the crowds grumbled again with all their judgments. They blocked Zacchaeus from initially seeing Jesus, but they couldn't block Jesus from seeing him. And see him he did, more so than any of us. For you see, this man, this Zacchaeus, was a tax collector, a rich man, not just any tax collector, a chief tax collector. A Jewish businessman who was contracted by Roman officials to collect prescribed taxes, tolls, tariffs, and custom fees. Chief tax collectors were required to pay the contract in advance, and then they could hire others to collect the taxes in hopes that the amount that was brought in yielded a profit. The system was open and stymied with abuse. So many Jews viewed tax collectors, especially chief tax collectors, as traitors, a part of the Roman oppressor. And so many in this crowd viewed Zacchaeus as a traitor, a dishonest Jew, taking advantage of his brothers and his sisters, his siblings, while working for the oppression of Rome. And so this is why the crowds grumble. Jesus is inviting himself to the house of this sinner, inviting oneself, especially someone like Jesus, who had swarms of crowds following him, was a special honor. 
And I have to admit, even myself was taken back by all this when I heard the grumbles of the crowds. Once I realized who this man was, what he had done, he was a tax collector, a chief tax collector, and Jesus is going to have dinner there? Why? Why would he invite himself to Zacchaeus' house if he knew all of this? I mean, Jesus had just told the story of the rich man and Lazarus not long before this. It was still on my mind how the rich man could treat his brother so poorly. It was so deeply lodged in my mind because we then ran into a rich young ruler a few days later who asked Jesus, what do we need to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him to sell everything he had, give it to the poor, and come and follow him. But the rich young ruler turned away sad instead. Jesus told us it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. This was all still so fresh for me. I'm assuming for all the disciples and much of the crowds. But again, Jesus could see something that we couldn't. There was more than we understood going on. Zacchaeus was so overcome with joy coming down from the tree by this invitation to host Jesus, he couldn't help but proclaim how he gives half of his possessions to the poor, and if he has defrauded anyone, he pays them back four times as much. It was a bit shocking, actually. A tax collector giving money to the poor? Not defrauding? I stood there with my mouth wide open. What did he just say? This rich tax collector just so willingly gives half of his possessions to the poor. Makes a point to not defraud anyone. It was clear no one knew how to respond. We all just froze in amazement of this statement, not what anyone was expecting. All of our preconceived notions, our judgments, they were all wrong. This was emphasized even more by Jesus' proclamation. Today, salvation has come to this house because Zacchaeus, too, is a son of Abraham. Did you hear it? A son of Abraham. One who sees his brother, his siblings, cares for them, the poor, the neighbor, the stranger, one who uses his own blessings to be a blessing to others. Zacchaeus goes through the eye of the needles in ways that we thought were impossible. And here, before we even get to the other side of Jericho, these two men, these two outcasts, are redeemed back into society. As Jesus rightly proclaims, the Son of Man has come to seek out and save the lost. Like the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. The blind man and the tax collector were lost. They were lost from society. Pushed out, pushed aside, marginalized, judged as unworthy, as dishonest, or as a sinner, as the other. But it's so often the case, Jesus sees what we don't. 
what we don't want to see, what we refuse to see, what we pretend not to see. There's more to someone than meets the eye, more to them than we know. While we are so tempted to write someone off so easily, Jesus refuses. Service and sacrifice, seeking out and saving. So it made me think, what would happen if we try to see the crowds, those around us as Jesus sees them? Who might catch our attention? Who would we listen to in their cries rather than telling them to quiet down? What words of oppression might we be able to hear if we saw people as Jesus sees them? Who might we befriend and work towards justice with if we take the time to get to know them rather than judging them as someone who must be against justice? It's these questions that help me to continue on the journey, even after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Knowing this work now fell upon us, the disciples. It's how our eyes continue to be open to those we previously would have viewed as outsiders, unwelcome, unwanted. The Ethiopian eunuch baptized on the side of the road rather than ignored and left out preaching to all Samaria, our enemies as Jews, accepting Paul's conversion even after his persecution of us early believers, the conversion of Cornelius and the welcoming in of all the Gentiles, no longer viewed as unclean. Jesus didn't just teach about welcoming, about seeing, about saving. He showed us exactly how to do it. He modeled it in ways that had lasting impacts with grace and love as he sought out and saved the lost. And this, this is what even you are continued to do, to seek out and save. See those in the crowds that are deemed as lost. See those who are overlooked, unloved, lonely, hopeless, marginalized or oppressed. Make a way for all to be welcomed into the saving grace of the love of God. Amen.